Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about, basically, the first week we talked about um, fitting in or standing out. You know, it's kind of our theme of what we've been kind of going through. And and, uh, Pastor Minnie did such a great job talking about this is our time. This is the time God has designed us to be be in right now. So this is our time to flourish. And we heard last week, uh, we listened to it, but we heard the four people talking about people in the Bible who have stood on their faith. Did did they do a good job last week, y'all? Come on. I heard it was great. People who had to take a stand in adversity. But I'm just going to tell you something. We're living in some very, very uncertain times. I mean, can I tell you, a lot of times I'm going to speak. This is going to be kind of a heavy message this morning, and next week's going to be a little bit heavier. Uh, so I, I want you to kind of let this kind of marinate in your mind and listen to what the Holy Spirit, not necessarily what I'm having to say, but what the Holy Spirit's wanting to say to you. But we're living in some very, very uncertain times. And research says in the past two years, popular topics in the church were focused around fear and anxiety and worry and isolation and cultural differences because we came out of a pandemic, correct? And it affected everyone around us. But lately, some of the topics have shifted. Maybe not in the church world preaching, though. Listen to that, what I just said. But YouTube searches. People are, are, are searching more about judgment and, and, and final destination of the soul and signs of the time and death and heaven and hell. That's been one of the higher searches right now. So about three or four weeks ago, we started talking about how can we present this to you in a way that won't freak you out? Because I went to church my whole life, and man, I mean, I thought I was going to hell every Sunday. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, mean, I had to repent every Sunday from every cuss word. I said, come on, Jesus paid it all. Thank you, Jesus. But I mean, spiritual warfare is what I'm going to talk about today. And there's some heavy things. And we're going to talk about Matthew 24 next week for a little while. If you haven't read Matthew 24... I believe it's the days that we're living in right now. I believe it's a part of what, who and what we are. But one of the reasons why people are asking more questions is because they're starting to see the times and the things that we're living in. And, and they're starting to get an eye-opening experience. People are like, wow, man, could this really be? Even non-believers, can I be honest with you? They're asking questions at a, at a pace like you've never seen before. Like, why is this happening? What is going on in our lives? But can I tell you, in America, the murder rate is up 24% since 2019. We got division on every front. We got racial. We got po- political division. Come on, can somebody, can somebody get a job in there too? Do you see what some of those guys make for working 35 days out of the year? I want to kick them all out of office. Amen. Amen. But we have, we have political and cultural, our economy right now, is a mess because we don't know which way to go. But in the world, listen, in the last two weeks, Israel has been attacked. There's a war on a front there that's been talked about for the last 2,000 years since Jesus, and we're gonna talk a little bit more next week. But there's evil. Not only is there war, there's evil that's going on. Some of the things that are happening, the atrocities that are happening over there with Hamas, it's, it's an unprecedented scale of what's happening in the world today. 
We've got the intensity and frequency of, her, of, of, of earthquakes. You want to say hurricanes, global warming, you can say what you want to. But there's been four major earthquakes just in the last two weeks. Things are happening. The Bible says in Matthew 24, it's birth pangs. It's the beginning of sorrows. Oh, Lord, I'm, it's, getting hard, it's getting hard to preach in here this morning. It's called, it says the earth is groaning. And it's showing forth what's about to happen and what's about to be presented. And listen, many of y'all, if you've been in church your whole life, you've been hearing Jesus has been coming back for 50-some years. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But there's never been a time that I believe. Listen, I didn't really want to talk about this. We struggled uh, about bringing up some of these conversations. But there's never been a time in history when we have lived to see the things that are unfolding right now. We have people that have many questions. Is there a God? And if there is, where is he at? Why is he allowing all of the evil? Why is he allowing everything that's happening right now? They ask the question, is there really a supernatural world? And is there really spiritual warfare? And listen, can I be honest with you? You all may ask, why are we talking about all this stuff? Can't we just preach a nice little fresh message and just go out the door and, and be unchanged? Mm, help me, Jesus. I struggled with this message all week because one, I was on vacation, and two, I knew the magnitude of what it was going to happen when I, when I presented it. But why are we talking about the first reason why is we really don't know a lot about it. And listen, can I tell you, you don't know what you don't know. The Bible says my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Listen, you got to pay attention because what you don't know can hurt you. It is our opportunity and our responsibility to bring forth the truth to you each and every week. And what you do with it is up to you. But one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, did you preach the truth? And I want to say, I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, you did it, even though it wasn't popular, even though it wasn't the amen and crowd, even though. I'm starting to sweat. Y'all are in trouble. Second reason we don't talk about it, we're fearful. We don't really want to talk about it. It's the most neglected topic in the church world today. Listen, 30, 40 years ago, they talked about it every week. Today, we don't talk about it anymore because we don't feel like it's relevant. And then when we do talk about spiritual warfare, two things happen. We either overemphasize it or underemphasize it. Some people blame everything in the world on spiritual warfare. When they're living in sin, when the conflicts there are, are, are perpetuated by themselves, and everything is the demonic's fault. The, demonic's fault. They're trying to cast demons out of everything. And I'm telling you, God, is, he's, he's shifting right now in the world today. And, and I'm telling you, what, if you stick around for the next few weeks, you're going to find out. Then you have others who spiritually ignore it. They discard it. They say we don't live. They said that was back in other times. But even though the Bible tells us that our battle is against spiritual powers, to wage successful spiritual warfare is to find the balance. Jesus sometimes cast demons out of people. He did. There was other times he just laid hands on them and they went away changed. We have to have a healthy balance. But can I tell you this much? Real spiritual warfare is happening, and we're all a part of it. 
And you may be feeling it. You know, you can feel that life is uncertain right now and your faith is kind of shaky and you're struggling with your mind and maybe you're struggling with your health and relationships and maybe your stress level and your worry level is going all crazy. But here is Jesus explaining to his disciples in John 16, 33. Can I tell y'all one thing? Once I hit the mountains, I never had an allergy one. Once I hit the mountains, I started sneezing. My eyes started watering. <sighs> right now, he said, yeah. I don't know why I brought that up because I can't see the iPad right now. And I need my water. Can I have my water, please? Sorry about the disruption here, y'all. I'm actually going to take the lid off of it and take a drink of it. She said a couple of times, you asked for the water and you didn't even take a drink of it. But Jesus is explaining to his disciples in John 16, 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, listen, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say you might or it could possibly happen. He said you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. The title of my message today is Standing in the Face of Spiritual Warfare. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we are not fighting, wrestling. I'm adding some words. We're not fighting. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Sometimes you can't physically see what's going on around, but there is a spiritual battle going on. And can I tell you something? Most of the time, your enemy is not physical. The enemy wants you to believe it's your spouse. You might be saying, that man you gave me. And it may be that man. I don't know. Don't you be amen. You got a gem from the Lord right here. <laughs> She's like a rhinestone, maybe not a gem. Uh, he makes you want to think it's your spouse, it's your husband or your wife. It's maybe he wants you to think it's your parents to show you that, or your family or your friends. But let me tell you what, it's usually not the person standing right in front of you. We are in a spiritual battle and we must distinguish who we are fighting against. Can I just be honest with you? You have a real enemy out there. His name is Satan. They call Satan is called the ruler of this world. And what happened was, is Adam and Eve made the wrong choice and they gave him power and authority. They relinquished their rights and they gave it over to the enemy. And can I just tell you one thing right now? The enemy knows you. He studied you. Matter of fact, he got an A plus on you because he knows your tendencies that's why I said a little while ago, he can't read your mind, but he can talk. He, if you start speaking that thing, he's going to start, he'll, he'll, he'll use it as ammunition against you. First Peter 5.8 says this, and I put a bunch of words in here, so I don't know what it says back there. Be sober, be serious, be sensible, be vigilant, be careful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is the real enemy. He is the real devil, not the Halloween one. Listen, we've desensitized ourselves to who the enemy was. Come on. We like the cute little devil that, well, oh, I'm not, I don't know. I might get a shoe thrown at me here, man. I don't care. We're not the cute little guy that walks around with a pitchfork in his hand, a little pointy tail. We have desensitized ourselves. He is the one who is out, who's the destroyer of your soul. 
They have a TV show on Lucifer where they're trying to talk about how he's trying to redeem himself and he's trying to come back and do good things. It's the bad guy sitting on your shoulder when telling you good and evil. But he is the real enemy and he is, a, he is dead serious and he wants you to die both physically and spiritually. John 10, 10 says this. I know I wasn't going to get any amens too much today. The thief comes not except. There's no other agenda except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you know what? He loves to hide in the dark. He loves to. He shows up in the dark all of the time. Why? Because you can hide things in the dark. When you hide something, it means to conceal means to prevent from being seen. A lot of people hide their emotions. They hide their feelings. They hide their hurts. And they also hide their sins. Amen. I got a one amen out of that one. But another thing the dark does, you can't see very clearly in the dark. Look at Job 12, 25. It says they grope. It means they search blindly in the dark without light. And he makes them stagger like a drunken man. Anybody ever been drunken? You don't have to raise your hand, Kitty. But let me just tell you, there's a false reality in the dark. Come on, guys. Y'all met that girl in a dark bar? Y'all thought she was good looking? Until the next day when you were running away, you were like, oh, Lord Jesus, what did I do last night? That's so bad, I know. It's okay. It's so true. Come on. Don't, don't raise your hands. But a lot of people... And a lot of situations look much differently the next day. Let me, ask, let me tell you what else he hides. And he hides in movies. I didn't know whether I should go here or not. He hides in books. He hides in rituals. Do not buy the Barbie Ouija board. I feel all old school Pentecostal going up in here. He hides in those things. I have a story. We met a man some years ago, and he, was, he did inner healing and deliverance. We went through it a couple of times with him, and, and he also cast out demons. And I was a little skeptical, even though I grew up in the Pentecostal world. And I was a part of three or four, I mean, I'm just going to try to, I was a part of three or four where I knew it was the 100% real thing. There was no, you couldn't, you couldn't convince me this wasn't real because I saw people's eyes. I saw people that would say things that they never would say. And he told me a story. Listen, I'm talking to somebody here this morning about books and movies and such. He went to a guy's house and the guy said, man, I've been really struggling. You know, I don't even know what's going on. It's just everything is kind of shifted. He said, well, what's, what's shifted in your life? What's changed? And he said, I don't know. I mean, I started playing this video game a few weeks ago and, you know, kind of gotten tied into it somehow. He said, really, go, let me go look at it. He said, Mike said, as soon as I picked that thing up, he said, I could feel the evil all over that thing. I know, y'all looking at me, that's old school. No, 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 that is real school. He said, here's what you need to do. And this guy had become kind of addicted to this, to this game. He said, this is what you need to do. Take that game. He picked out four or five more games. He said, I want you to take them out and burn them right now. He took them outside and burned them. The spirit left the house. So be careful what you look at. Be careful what you believe. Be careful what you open your door to. 
And listen, what you see is not always what you get with the enemy. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, for no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself. This is what he's doing right now into the angel of light. The devil comes to us like the angel of light. He hides under the cover of light. The Bible says Adam and Eve saw the fruit, right? They looked at it. It was good. It was pleasurable. And it was desirable. That's the same thing he says today. Don't you want to be happy? Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Social media, you know, everybody's got a better life than you. Don't you want to be happy? One more time won't hurt you. One more time can kill you. Look at, the, look at the overdose rates right now. One more time can kill you. There's no more games out there. I, I, help me, Lord. I didn't have this. I remember when all, all the problem you had was drinking a beer and smoking a joint. Now, whatever you do right now can absolutely end your life just like that. One more time won't hurt you. And you may be telling you, this friend really means well. <laughs> y'all got any friends like that? Can I just tell y'all something right now? Not everybody's got your back. Not everybody you think likes you, likes you. Oh, this is some rough stuff this morning. And you know what? It all looks good because the Bible said sin is pleasurable for a season. Can I tell you, his plan's not changed. He's still using doubt. He's still using manipulation. He's still using intimidation and condemnation. And the Bible says, again, he's called the prince of the air and the ruler of this world. And it sounds like we're giving him a lot of honor. I just want us to understand who, who we're fighting against. He's not some little piddly guy sitting off in the corner. He's out to kill, to kill, and to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Second Corinthians, they don't have this one. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. He can't exceed, he can't succeed until he's compromised the saints in the church. In the King James, here's what it says. King James, it says the enemy comes and he's wearing out the saints. You don't see that in the other version. He's wearing out the same. He's trying to get us to a place where we're so worn out that we walk out on church. That we, we feel like God's not in control anymore. That we don't even want to come to church anymore. We don't want to come to prayer meeting anymore. We don't want to have anything to do with God anymore. Because we see everything around us. Help me, Jesus. He's wearing us out. That's why we got to learn how to fight. The Bible says we got to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. So what's our battle plan? Oh, you've talked about the war. You've talked about the enemy. Now, what is our battle plan? James 4, 7 says this. Listen to me. Here it is. Therefore, submit to God. Oh, there's one. Ouch. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Number one thing you have to do, first thing is you have to submit to God. Submit means you've got to yield. You've got to surrender to another authority and not yourself. Look what the Bible says in the last days. It says, 2 Timothy says this, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemer. Oh, blasphemer, they're talking about God like, oh, it's terrible right now. Disobedient to parents, anybody got any disobedient kids right now? 
unthankful and unholy. Our nature, our human nature is coming out right now. We want it our way. I passed, help me Lord. I passed by Burger King, it's still up there. They said, do you want a job where they rule? Come and apply here where you can rule. I'm like, what kind of message are we sending to our kids when they say you can come and take a job and you can do whatever the hell you want to do, come in when you want to come in. Oh, Lord. You can't always have it your way. Every time I pass by that, that thing out there, I want to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Have it your way. But our culture around us, most of the goals revolve around self-achievement and self-gratification. The control is we want to decide our own destiny and do what we want to do and put God on the back burner and say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll ignore him right now, even though he's telling us not to be doing this certain thing. You use fear, seize the opportunity now. It may not come around now. God may not have that in his plan. It breeds distrust. You don't trust anybody. It breeds security. We gotta take it into our own hands and secure ourselves. Why is submission hard? Because disobedience is ingrained in us. Back to the garden. All the way back to the garden. He gave everything out there that they could touch. You can have it all. Don't touch that one. First thing we did, what we did, you tell your kids don't touch it, what do they do? I'm going to go touch it. They touched it, they ate it, and it turned into death. Submit, submission can't be something you do because you have to. You have to do it because you want to. You have to be reachable. You have to be teachable. You have to ha let the pride down. You don't have it all together. As much as you think you do, you've been trying for this much long, you don't have it all together. But what does it look like? Submission looks like this. Luke 10, 27. And so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. We have to submit our heart. And there was a long time I was like, submit my heart? That's an organ. It pumps blood. But what the heart represents, it means the inner part of you, the inner person of you. The heart represents the moral conscience that steers your values and your core and your choices. When you get saved, Gary, you have a heart transplant. We're speaking against that right now in the name of Jesus. We're speaking, against, we're speaking healing right now, but I'm going to scripture it for you here. Ezekiel 36 says this, for when you come to Jesus, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit with inside of you. I will take that heart of stone out of you. Come on, you stone hearted people. He's going to put a heart of flesh in there and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Number two, we have to submit our soul. He breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. The very breath of God went into him and he became a living soul. The soul is a part of us that's eternal and it defines who we are as individuals. The Bible says, love God with all your heart and all your soul. Listen, our activities, and this is hard, this is hard to come in. I've read this before. How am I supposed to love God with all my heart, all my soul? I got the all all messed up in there. 
But he's, he's wanting to look at a change of the way you look at things. Our activities and priorities in life are geared around what God wants and not what you want. Ultimately, listen, it may be giving up our own lives. There are people, and I'm going to talk about this more tonight. There are people that are giving up their lives because they won't denounce Jesus right now. It may come down to that in America. You may say, oh, it can't happen here. We'll find out. We're going to learn how to pray. Number three, we, we submit our minds. The mind is the processor. It's the storehouse of our beliefs and our ideas. This is the hard one to overcome. The Bible says, as Renee said in prayer earlier, she said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to stop feeding your mind. You've got to stop believing that you can't and start saying that you can. You've got to start confessing the truth over your feelings. You've heard me say it a hundred times. If you live by your feelings, you're going to die by them. We need to start looking at God, looking at the devil and saying, I'm an overcomer. I'm a child of the Most High, and I'm not who I used to be. You may be trying to tell me who I used to be, but I'm not that way anymore. Each day we've got to yield. We have to submit. We have to submit our sinful tendencies. Come on, we all got those. Our selfish motives, our shame. We have to submit our pain. And the big one, we have to submit our own expectations. Get up every morning and say, God, I start this day submitting my heart to you, submitting my soul to you, submitting my mind to you, because I know it's going to go crazy when I get in traffic. Can you teach me how to walk according to your will today? Because you know why? I can't do it without you. Without submission, there can be no resistance. Number four, resist. To resist means to withstand, to strive against, or to oppose in some manner. How can we resist? Resistance can be a defensive maneuver on our part. I'm really trying my best. How's that working out for you? I'm doing the best that I can. We're trying our best to withstand the temptations. We're trying our best to withstand our own will. And most of the time, if we don't put God into the equation, most of the time we fail. Most of the time we fail when we don't put him into the equation there, don't we? Amen. I'm talking to me this morning. Resistance can also be an action we take. Let's use our offensive weapon in the word of God. I don't, I didn't even know what Renee was going to pray, but pre-service prayer, but I mean, the weapons that God has given us, one of them is the word of God. We've got to be able to resist and rebuke him by knowing, confessing the word of God. We have to say, I have the mind of Christ. Whenever the enemy comes in and starts telling you something other than what God has said about you, you got to say, it's Jesus who's living in me. Come on. He's an overcomer and I am too. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, who gives me the power to be overcome each and every day. Can I just tell y'all something? It ain't always the devil's fault. Come on, we want to blame it on the devil all the time, but sometimes it ain't all his fault. There's some things that God is asking you to change and you're just not changing because you don't want to. Let's see if I got some steel toes on here. No. It's our openness to sin. It's our openness to doubt. It's our openness to fear that keeps us paralyzed. We need to stop making excuses for our weakness. And we need to start submitting those weaknesses to God and say, God, 
I don't know how I'm going to get over this, but I know that if you'll give me the strength, I can do it. And sometimes resistance just means saying a firm no. Boom. Bubba does not like me to say no to him. Look at him smiling. When I say no to him, he goes, amen. But sometimes you just got to say no to the devil. Sometimes when he starts bringing that thing back up into your life, sometimes you got to stomp your feet and you just got to say, no, devil, not today. I love him being on the front row. That's awesome. Resistance comes along with being relentless. There was a man in the Bible named Jacob. He was a deceiver. He wouldn't submit to God. He wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. And resistance is in God's plan. He tried it his own way. But once he figured out he couldn't do it, he became relentless. Once he got to the part of where he knew that, that only through God could he get to the place where he needed to be, he became relentless. And I remember one time when he was, he was actually wrestling with God. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm telling you, we need to have a relentless kind of faith right now to say, God, I know I'm going through this, but I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until you change the situation or the circumstance. I'm holding on to you through everything. The next step to coming closer to God is number five, clean up and get closer. Oh, Lord Jesus, here we go. James, you want to read the book of James? It'll, it'll make you repent. James 4.8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Wash your hands. In the Old Testament, the temple, uh, there was the courts on the inside where the holy things were, where the altar was, where, where the instruments and where the Ark of the Covenant was. But outside, listen, there was a basin of water on the outside of the temple. And the priests could not enter, listen to this, until they had washed their hands and their feet. They couldn't even go into those places until they had physically washed their hands. And what that signified was the cleansing of the dirt and cleansing of the sin in their own lives. Because let me just tell you something. If they, if they had something going on with them, they died. Oh, that's a whole nother message right there. So they would cleanse themselves. The priests had no access to the holy until they had washed themselves and cleansed themselves from the sins. But let me tell you what Jesus did. He came to tear down all of those barriers that separated us. His sacrifice on the cross gave us access to God. We don't have to physically wash our hands and wash our feet to get to the place. And when he died, he said, it is finished. And the veil tore in two. He gave us access to God. But let me tell you what, he still requires us to wash ourselves a little bit. We've got to wash ourselves in repentance of sin. I heard a guy say, you need to live a lifestyle of repentance. I was like, do we need to be walking around saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it just says you need to be in a lifestyle of repentance, knowing that when you do make a mistake, I know I got people in this church that don't never, never make a mistake. No. Y'all raise your hands, you're coming to the altar, I promise you. But living a lifestyle of repentance, just saying, God, okay, I shouldn't have thought that way. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have treated my husband that way. She had to repent four or five times while we were on vacation. No, she, I had to do that. But let me tell you a little bit about sin. There's a sin of commission. It's a sin we take action on to commit. 
in thought, word, deed. It's a willful act. It's what we do. That started with Adam and Eve. And most of the time we start thinking about that as murder and lying and stealing and sexual sin and evil thoughts. But the sin of omission, different without the C, James 4, 17 says this, therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not, that to him is sin. There's a quote that says this. It says, have you ever looked at a human life and felt our heart break? Here's, a, here's where we are at the body of Christ. I felt our heart break, not because of the sins committed, but because of the potential we left on the earth. Sin of omission involves not doing what is right or failing to do what is instructed. Maybe it's keeping the Sabbath day. Maybe it's honoring your father and your mother and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and your neighbor, the one you really don't like, as yourself. But here's the big one. Will you stand before God one day and he said, did you tell anybody about me? You went through your whole life confessing me and saying I'm going to heaven. Did you ever share or neglect to care to tell someone about me? Those are gonna be the painful times in our lives when we look back and say, yeah, we made it, but could we have made more of an attempt? Could we have stepped out a little bit farther out of our comfort zone? Could we have told someone, there's someone in your family that needs you to tell them the gospel story, and maybe you think they don't wanna hear it, but I'm telling you what, we're coming to a time that we've never seen before. People's hearts are open to the word of God right now. They're open to your mouth, and listen, your life lived out loud is the biggest testimony that you could possibly have. But I used to do this. Well, you ain't doing it no more. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works. You don't got to tell them. Sometimes we, sometimes we feel like we can't witness to our family because of our lives. Start saying nothing and start showing your love and your light. You'll find out what a difference that'll make. But what we do when we omit, we deny ourselves of blessings, we miss opportunities, and we keeps us from reaching our full potential. When we as Christians don't stand for what is right or we do, don't do what ask, what's asked of us, whew, disobedience weakens our resolve. Mm, it opens the door for further temptations and further things to enter into our life. And eventually, it leads to the sin of commission. David was supposed to be off at war. It's what he was supposed to be doing, but yet he went out on the roof and he saw a pretty young thing before too long. You know, the story we talked about a few weeks ago, before too long, man, he was having sex with her and he killed her husband. He went through, it all progresses down. It starts out small with just a glance. Before too long, man, it turns into full-blown OMG, did I do that? But the good news is repentance is a gift from God. And it's something we receive from God too. First thing you gotta do is you just gotta own up. You just gotta say, a real relationship with God starts when you acknowledge and you don't cover it up anymore. David's words in Psalms 139 says, search me, O God. You already know me, but I want you to search me really, really hard sometimes. And I want you to know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into your way everlasting. I think we should get up every day at the end. 
Maybe not every day we wake up because we're pretty good Christians when we first wake up. Come on. By the end of the day, we probably ought to be quoting that scripture. Right? Come on, search me, God. Man, Gene Snyder was terrible today and, and my coworker did this and I cussed him out of my mind. And oh, y'all are holier than thou out there. I know, I know y'all don't do that stuff. But the journey back to God starts with asking for forgiveness. But also the journey is extending it to others. Forgiveness helps heal the wounds of the past. What forgiveness is, it's not saying it's okay. It's saying you don't owe me anything anymore. Jesus is gonna take care of it. He paid the price. You don't owe me anymore. I'm not saying what you did was okay, but I'm not gonna hold on to it and harbor it for the rest of my life. Bible says, draw near. Have you ever been sitting on the other end of the couch? Come on, husbands and wives. And you're glaring over at him and he's glaring over at you and, and you really wanna say something, but you're afraid to. <laughs> Come on, guys, y'all know what I'm talking about. We're sitting on opposite ends of the couch, but as soon as we start to get a little closer and a little closer, a lot of times those tensions break down. Until that person has received Jesus as their personal Savior, it's a good likelihood that they're not really going to be hearing from God. But, can I just tell you this? He is not motivated to speak to us on the basis of our good deeds or our needs. He's motivated to speak to us through our relationship with Him. Come on, you can be good, you can have all the checks eyes dotted and T's crossed, but man, when you get in that relationship with God, that's when you start hearing the voice of God. You start hearing, oh, I'm just so glad I could sit with you this morning for an hour before the hustle and the bustle of the day. I'm so glad that we have this time together that we can just spend it together. That's when he starts speaking to him. If you have trouble hearing, you got to reevaluate some things in your relationship. Draw near and he will draw near to us. And being near or hearing God is determined by our attitude that you carry into prayer. Come on. As we approach God, we gotta be submissive to him. Hey, God, whatever you want, hey, I'm, I'm here. I tried it my way. I don't, I don't wanna do it anymore my way. We must trust that he will do what is best for us and what is right for us. That's the hard one right there because we wanna figure out our own lives. We wanna go the way that we wanna go all the time. We have to figure it out that God, you know what's best. And you have to be, come before him with a thankful heart. Can I just tell you something? You got something to be thankful for. You're sitting here today. Some of y'all, including me, should not be in this place today. But sometimes you just need to wake up and say, God, thank you that I'm not there anymore. Thank you, that whatever you fill in the blank, thank you that you brought me out of whatever you brought me out of. Listen, the closer you get, the more you can start hearing him and feeling his heart. And being close to him is understanding who he is. He's a loving father. How could God do this? Well, we had a lot to do with that, but he's a loving father. You gotta approach him in humility and reverence him. It places us in the right positions to actively hear what he has to say. But when he says it, we gotta apply it. That's the problem. God is speaking certain languages to people and you and me, 
But a lot of times we're just not applying what he's saying to us. He's been telling you and some of us for years to don't do this and don't do that, yet we still don't listen to it. We have to surrender ourselves. And listen, Jesus didn't defeat Satan physically in warfare. He defeated him by surrendering himself on the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have wiped them all out. But he said, no, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And remember this, let's focus on Jesus. Let's not focus on the battle. Let's not focus on the devil. Let's not focus on the storms. Remember, Jesus didn't deliver you from the storm so you could forget about being in the storm. I'll praise you in the storm, Jesus. I thank you that I used to be this way. I thank you that you pulled me out when I didn't. I, come on, when I wanted to give up, you pulled me up. You pulled me out of the water. Sometimes that remembrance comes and you just have to ingrain it into your soul. If you would stand with me, please. Sorry, that was a little longer altar call than I thought it was going to be. But the altars are going to be open this morning, and I just want you to understand there'll be a prayer, there'll be someone on the prayer team on the right and left. And if you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate. If you're going through a spiritual battle, spiritual war this morning, acknowledge that, man, I'm going through this thing. I don't know how to come out on the other end. That's when God says, I got you right where I want you when you ain't got it all figured out. This morning, we got to remember, we got to submit ourselves to God. We got to resist the devil daily. I'm telling you, he's going to come at us 100. When you gave your life to Jesus, you put a big X on your back. He's coming after you because he didn't have, you don't have you anymore. The Bible says you got to draw near, draw close to God, and wash your hands and purify your heart. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to, re, I'm going to say this prayer. Dear Father, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I come with you today. Forgive me of my sins, the sins of omission and commission. Give me strength and power to resist the devil and everything he'll use to distract me. Today, I humbly walk in your presence, and I want to be near you. Jesus, thank you for loving me, protecting me, correcting me, most of all, for never leaving me. This morning, if you need prayer, maybe you're facing something right now that you just need to take a walk out. Maybe you just need to lift your hands where you're at. God is here this morning to help you fight that battle. Fight that spiritual battle that you've been going through. Just give it to him this morning. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.